What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode number 41 of My Social Life. I'm your host, Jacob Kelly, and before we jump into today's conversation with Noah Maraby, there's a couple things that we need to go over first. Number one, if you enjoyed today's episode, please consider leaving a rating and a review. It really helps more people find the podcast, and it really helps to grow the community that we're developing here. And if you're one of those people that have recently found the podcast, welcome. I'm very excited to have you here. Make sure you subscribe, stay tuned for future episodes. And to everybody listening, make sure you screenshot this, post it to your Instagram story tag at my social pod, and I will feature you on the account and send you a message as well. Now, without further ado, let's get to my conversation with Noah Maraby. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to My Social Life. This is the podcast where you can hear the real stories behind the people on social media. Today, I'm joined by Noah Maraby. Noah is a digital marketer, a speaker, an author, an educator, and an entrepreneur. I'm very excited to have him here on the podcast today. Noah, welcome. Thank you very much, uh, Jacob, for your introduction. I'm very excited to talk about all the different topics we have. I think it can help a lot of people actually benefit from these topics and you know take some things out of them and actually apply them in their life. So um, let's, let's get to it. Yeah. So in the world of social media today, I feel like a big thing, a big issue that we're dealing with is fake news and people just headline reading and spreading misinformation. So I'm not trying to be rude with this question, but why should people trust you? Why are you not, quote unquote, fake news? So in my opinion, when you want to work on something and you want people to trust you, you need to document your work. Words are easy. Actions are hard. So what I try to do on social media all the time to kind of gain the trust of my followers is to say, all right, I have something, a project that I want to work on. As I was telling you before, for example, I had a course that I was working on and I posted on Instagram. I said, I have this 65 lecture course, 12 and a half hours. I'm going to finish the entire course in three days, right? So I put this challenge in front of people to say, hey, I'm going to work hard and I'm not just going to say it, Mm -hmm. I'm going to prove it and you guys are going to be able to see it. So two days later, not even three days, two days later, I'm like, hey, 18 hours of work a day, guess what? The course is done and submit it for review. So this is how you kind of get people to trust you when you replace words with action. That's the main thing that I try to focus on and add value to people. If you add value, you will get rewarded. This is what I believe in. You can work so hard, but if you don't actually add any value to people's lives, you're not going to get rewarded. So two main things, value and actions, I think are the best keys to social media. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. So I wanted, I looked back at your LinkedIn and one of your jobs I was curious about was you were an e-commerce strategist for Amazon. That's true. So what did that role entail? So um, I wanted to get into dropshipping at first. Mm-hmm. So of course I looked into Shopify. But then I kind of realized that even though people make a lot of money using e-commerce, people don't trust independent sellers as much as they trust Amazon. So I'm like, hey, well, I prefer working with a big company that people trust instead of just starting my own thing. So I started learning the ins and outs of how basically e-commerce works on Amazon. There are a lot of independent sellers working on Amazon. That's the biggest part of how the platform actually operates, right? And people use a lot of different softwares and platforms to find products to sell. And I'm like, well, look, if the majority of people are on these websites, well, we are finding the same products. And if you want to compete on the basis of price, you can never actually make money. So I'm like, well, I want to get creative. 
and I found these toys. Um, what are they called? Like bubble, like bubblehead toys. I if I if I recall the name, I'll, I'll say it. And the profit margins on those was huge. And I went to Walmart, and they're like ten, twelve dollars, and they're selling for like fifty on Amazon. So I put in an investment, got a bunch of them, and in a span of a week and a half, I made fourteen hundred dollars in profit. So I invested most of my time just learning more about Amazon, the strategies, how to sell on Amazon, and then I started helping people kind of operate on Amazon as well. But of course, you know, when you work on projects, sometimes you focus on other projects because you think there's a lot more money and potential into them. When I got into social media marketing um, and I got into course creation and mentorship, I was like, the time I'm investing on Amazon, I can invest in other areas and actually benefit from it a lot more. Mm -hmm. And I kind of did this this switch into e-commerce and, and Amazon, basically. So how long were you selling on Amazon then before you kind of decided? About six to nine months. I'd okay. say the first three months weren't that good in terms of sales because I was learning. Then for about four to six months, it was booming up until I kind of started to slow things down and I got out of it. So over that first three months when things were going well, was there ever a point where you kind of questioning what you were doing? Because I feel like a lot of people, they don't have the resiliency to go for extended periods of time when things aren't going their way. So is there ever a thought like that? That's, I mean, always, you know, we're always going to have second thoughts. We're always going to have some doubt. But at the end of the day, if you don't actually try and test it and keep going to see where it's going to go, you're never going to know. So I prefer to do something and fail at it instead of like not doing it and regretting not actually doing it and seeing how it unfold kind of thing. So I'd always kind of just switch on why did I start and keep my focus on that primarily. And so when you were saying, how are you driving people to your Amazon page or Facebook? Amazon just does it for you. Really? You know, once you put a product up there, people like it, they put good reviews, it would just go up in the search engine optimization for Amazon and people would just start buying it. I didn't even have to invest. Back then, I had very minimal knowledge about marketing, but this is where I knew that, you know, I need to step up my game in terms of marketing and social media. Mm -hmm. And then, so I want to kind of talk about your agency now, Kinetic Pace. Mm -hmm. So how did that start shortly after Amazon? And so Amazon was during um, summer of 2016, 2017 actually. And then the school year started and um, after I stopped Amazon, I wanted to work on other projects, but I wasn't really sure on what to work. My effort was diversified and um, it was kind of a hassle to find something and I did not actually start working on the company till January. Okay. I was looking into different fields on what I can invest in. Um, it was my new year resolution. So new year resolution for the year 2018 was to basically, 2017 sorry, was to work as hard as possible on the company. I At one point I started having interns, the company started to grow, but just the same thing that happened with Amazon, as soon as I acquired a lot of knowledge and a lot of expertise, I started noticing that I'm investing so much time in the company, whereas this time invested in other areas, keeping in mind that the money coming from the company was all um, active income. And I was more focused on passive income, you know? I want to do my own thing and be able to kind of, you know, sit down, relax, go to sleep and actually make money meanwhile. So I started moving a bit away from the company because I have other people who work with me. Mm -hmm. So they're kind of keeping things going, keeping things operated. While I work with some clients in Ottawa, um, 
I basically focused on pubs, restaurant. I thought it was a really nice vibe, um, especially for social media. It's something that I can pick up quickly and kind of work on. Um, I worked with Prohibition House, uh, Bandidos Ottawa, Poor Boy Ottawa. Uh, we worked on a tea company in Toronto. It's called TX. I worked with an artist called, uh, called Martin Foley. He's extremely talented. Um, and then started to shift away more towards, um, you know, uh, writing, composing, teaching, and, and course, uh, course making, basically. So when you're consulting with these clients, what is kind of the area of focus? Is it social media? Is it digital marketing more so? Like, what is it? See, it depends. There are some clients, for example, the e-commerce company, while the main focus for them is driving traffic towards the website and getting sales. Now, the restaurants and pubs, they want exposure on social media, you know? When somebody's scrolling on social media, they're going to look at a pub or a restaurant and be like, oh, this looks cool. I want to go and try it. But rarely do people, for example, while scrolling, see a cup of tea and they're going to be like, oh, this cup of tea looks interesting. I'm going to go buy it, you know? Mm -hmm. So that's kind of the difference between both. Yeah. So when you started, did, have you scaled the company since you started? Or is it still pretty similar to when you first started? Myself, I'm not investing more time in the mm -hmm. company. I'm working with the basic clients that I have. I don't want to invest more time into it. However, as I said, I have people who work with me, the company, and they try to scale the company. Sometimes they don't work as hard on it. Uh, right now, it is my secondary kind of focus is the company. The reason why I started is because I wanted to learn the ins and outs of marketing and social media. And once I got that out, I'm like, I can use that in something else and actually make a lot more out of it, you know? Mm. So it's scaling, it's growing a bit, but I'm not really going to focus and put a lot of effort into it. Yeah, that's interesting. So talking about the idea of passive income, because it is it is passive, but at the same time, it takes a lot of work to get to that point where you're making money when you're sleeping. You know what I mean? So talk to me about what, what about passive income kind of attracts you because there's so much upfront work that's required first. See, um, the very interesting thing about passive income is, you know, we ask a lot of people, what do you want to do in life? What do you enjoy doing? What do you love? And some people say they don't know, but weird enough, some people say they do know, but they can't actually do it. You know, somebody like somebody's interested in art, but everybody's saying, oh, you can't make a career out of, out of art, right? And they have to go to school get a major, get a job, and then before you know it, you're 25, you're 30, and you can't actually invest any more time towards things you're passionate about. You have, um, you have a mortgage to pay, you have a lot of obligations, you just can't. But if you get a, at the age of 30, you have enough passive income to live comfortably, well, guess what? You can invest the next 10 years into art, and you can make a career out of it. Don't tell me you're gonna invest the next 10 years in any project and not make a living out of it. It's just impossible, you know? When you put in a certain amount of work, you're gonna get results out of it. Mm -hmm. So passive income would actually give you the chance to focus on what actually matters the most for you. And each and every person, when they work on what they love, you know, when you do what you love, it's just amazing. You wake up in the morning, you don't even need um, some kind of obligation or school or work to get out of bed you just wake up and you're just fired up you want to get out of bed and start working you know mm -hmm. and i find that beautiful man passion passion is just beautiful it, it drives business it drives everything 
I kind of want you back up a little bit to when you're consulting with your clients. When it comes to digital marketing, what's something that companies are just missing that you notice? that people For social media? Yeah. Well, the biggest part that people are missing is people expect that everybody's going to follow them just because they're posting nice pictures. Well, guess what? This is not how it happens. If you post nice pictures and nice videos, people are not going to follow you just because you're doing that. You know? What most companies should focus on right now, um, it is a strategy that people's been following for a bit, giveaways. There's a new um, app that's recently um, been growing on social media. It's called Nightlife App. I've been kind of, um, you know, I've been looking at their work. I'm really fascinated about their marketing strategies. Um, two, three days ago, they made a giveaway for Oceaga tickets and it blew up. Uh, you had about 20 people reposting that on your Instagram story. And guess what? This is how you're gonna get people to follow you, right? Um, something else that we, I've recently been noticing, a lot of people taking these um, kind of initiatives towards the environment, towards some global issues and saying, hey, like repost, share, like, comment, follow, and we will be donating money. So. What they're doing is instead of investing money into marketing, they're investing their money into an actually a good cause. And this is their marketing strategy. They're saying to people, hey, you're interested about you know, solving some of these issues. Well, guess what? We're going to do it for you if you just follow us. So they're working towards a good cause and paying for marketing out of it, which are the two, I think, fundamental ideas that companies should focus on currently to grow on social media properly. Mm -hmm. This is what I wanted to focus on with my clients. But the thing is, a lot of people don't want to invest, don't want to buy three, $400 tickets and do a giveaway to get two, 300 followers. But guess what? At the end of the day, it piles up. Um, 300 followers will give you authenticity. When somebody goes on your profile, instead of having 200 followers, you're going to have a thousand. They're more likely to follow you. And it's just a snowball effect. It just keeps on growing. So, yeah, it's actually funny that you brought up the Nightlife app. That's actually started, or one of the someone involved in it was one of the guests I had on the podcast a long time ago. Yeah, Jason Estefanis. Jason, oh, he's a really good friend of mine. Yeah. There okay. You go. <laughs> yeah. So that's just funny that you bring that up because I was like, I know Nightlife. Like yeah, he messaged me go. about it when he first started it. Um, is there any other companies that are kind of sticking out to you? I know you said Nightlife. Doing one example. this, following this strategy. Yeah, or anyone that's doing anything interesting in the social space that you've kind of seen. so. Yesterday, I have one of my good friends, he had this idea where students in the area of Sandy Hill in downtown want to move from one place to the other, but they don't have the means, a lot of students don't have the means to pay for moving companies, and it's usually a hassle to move their stuff, they don't have a car, whatever, and he has a big truck, and he's like, you know what, I'm going to start helping students move places, and I'm going to charge them half of what other companies are charging. And he was talking to me on the phone yesterday and he's like, I want to grow my following. I want to start posting a lot. I'm like, don't. If you're going to post, nobody's going to follow you because you post. The only people who are going to see you posting are your followers, which are people who are already following you. So you're wasting your time. What you want to focus on is do a nice giveaway. Say, hey, do a shout out, share on your story, follow, like, and comment, and you will get in a draw to get like a free uh, three, four hour session to like move your stuff from one place to the other. And once he did that, he started getting followers, you know? So it was just yesterday, when, as soon as you apply it, like in one day, 
you know, you can get a huge amount of followers and interaction just when you do a giveaway that people are interested in. Mm-hmm. And for like good cause, there's been a lot of issues going on recently in Sudan and um, there's this, um, there's an Instagram page. I went on the Instagram page and they have maybe like 12 posts and they started the page not long ago, maybe like a month and a half ago, which is crazy. And a hundred plus people on my profile just sharing their posts, sharing their posts. I go on their profile first time, I scroll 23, 24,000 followers. Next day, 30 something thousand followers. Fourth day, I'm like 40,000 followers. So these guys are getting about 10,000 followers a day because they're following a good cause. So these are kind of like two simple examples just to show people that these are the strategies that are dominating the market, you know? Basically, if people follow these, they are going to see growth. It's certain. Like, there's no way out of it. Mm-hmm. What about influencer marketing? Is that something, a strategy you think that's still effective today? See, uh, it depends on the influencers. Some people, you know, there's a lot of influencers where between every other post, you'll see kind of a promotional post and people get used to it. You know, there's a very nice quote that says the age of advertising is dead. And at one point, influencer marketing is becoming a way of advertising that people are getting used to. Scrolling down on Facebook, you're gonna see Facebook ads. People just don't look at them anymore. There are a lot of people promoting courses or or whatever, uh, coaching sessions on how to make money. You know, we got familiar with these videos where you're scrolling down, you see somebody holding cash. You know what? You're not even gonna look at it anymore because you know that the majority of it doesn't really add any value. So influencer marketing can work, if you do it in a smart way. So instead of posting, for example, saying, hey, I'm gonna pay you $200 for you to post something and say, go follow this guy. Well, I'm gonna make a nice video. And then the influencer will post it, but kind of like not advertising it, but kind of saying, hey, this guy's doing really good. And then people would automatically see it. It's a lot more, it's a lot more of an authentic approach. It's trustworthy mm-hmm. and it can have a lot better conversion rates than just posting some advertising ads on influencers' pages. Mm-hmm. I think a way that, like, I think a shift in influencer marketing that we'll see, and I talked about this on a previous podcast, is it's going to be more brand sponsor, brand partnerships longer term. That's something I talked about with uh, Shancy, she thinks was the 37th episode. Um, yeah, longer term partnerships as opposed to one off, just one quick post in your feed and they're on to the next product. It's going to be a longer term thing where it shows more of the authenticity like you talked about where they're actually, it looks like they actually care about the product. It's not just like this like random skinny tee that they're posting one photo with. It's a longer term thing. And I think that's just kind of where it's going to head on this, like the, to the same oh, effect absolutely. Type of authenticity. Absolutely. It's building relationships and it's following um, an integrated marketing communication kind of system where the main focus is communication and relationships and trust. Uh, that's basically where you're saying it's 100% true. Once people start shifting into that, things will start to change pretty quickly. And what about traditional marketing? Is there anything you're seeing that's kind of catching your eye with traditional? Oh my God. I'm studying marketing at the University of Ottawa. I've been in school for three years. I've been going full-time, part-time, depending on the workload I have. And I can tell you that there's nothing I learned in three years in marketing that I can actually, and keep in mind, everything we learned is traditional marketing. I don't really care about billboards anymore. You know, most people don't even notice them. Most people are sitting, like if you're in a passenger seat, you're looking at your phone. You're not just looking outside at billboards and stuff. 
know, they do some advertising about magazines. Of course, some people do read magazines and it can help, but this is the age of information, this is the age of social media. I don't want to learn about that. I don't want to learn about commercials on TV. Most people watch Netflix, they watch YouTube, you know. Most people don't watch TV, they spend their time on YouTube, so I want to learn that. Traditional marketing, it's just, at this point, it's not going to have as good as a conversion rate. If you invest the time learning about traditional marketing and learning about social media and digital marketing and communication relationships, you'll see a huge difference, a huge shift. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. I just don't think it's, it's efficient at this point. Yeah. No, I've tried it and it doesn't really work. I think it's an interesting conversation to have around with the education system and just how fast technology moves. Trying to teach a curriculum on something that's moving so fast can be a challenge. Oh, it can be a huge challenge. No, it's, it's the information age. You know, new things coming up every single day. You know, the world is changing and you can't really change the educational system and the curriculums. It kind of moves as fast as how the world, the marketing world especially is evolving. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's a huge issue. Mm -hmm. I think in school, what you will learn is how to work for other people, but not as much as how to work for yourself and kind of grow yourself, kind of grow your own company, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, there, are of course, there are, of course, some benefits. I'm not saying, I'm still in school. You know, I'm, I'm talking a lot about school and how it cannot be as effective, but at the same time, you know, getting a degree can add a lot of authenticity to your name, can add a lot of value, mm -hmm. but it's not necessary. Yeah, and in terms of like when things move so fast, how, what about the idea of instead of going to traditional schooling, like kind of looking down the line a little bit further, but is taking those online courses that are dedicated to a specific subject for a couple weeks here or there, as opposed to taking four years to get your degree, taking that money and reallocating it into more direct courses to learn more specific skills as opposed to a generic marketing degree over four years. Do you think that's where things could be going? So honestly, um, I'll give you an example. I had a course last year, financial accounting, basal financial, basic financial accounting principle and all that. And it was a four months course. It took me four months to learn about financial accounting. And by the end of it, I looked at it and I'm like, I didn't actually learn anything out of it because my focus was not, I want to learn about financial accounting. At that point, I was more like, I just want to finish this course and get a good grade. Now, moving on, when I started the company, I was like, well, I need to start keeping track of my finances and I don't remember anything from my financial accounting course. So I bought a course online and I learned everything that I learned at the span of four months in school in three to four days. You know, it's just kind of crazy how much, how fast you can get the information out of your phone and your computer that you look at, you know, getting a four months course to learn about these things and saying, is it really worth it? Mm -hmm. You know, I think learning online is just growing. It's just, man, it's growing so fast because there's huge potential in it, especially saving us a lot of time. So, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's what basically people need to focus on. You want to grow on Instagram, want to do whatever you want. You can have it on your phone. You can learn everything you want just on your phone, on your computer. So it's it's actually fascinating. You know, we live in um in an amazing era, and we need to take advantage of it. And speaking of online courses, you have a bunch of your own, correct? Yeah. yeah. On I think it's Udemy is where I found a majority of them. Correct. Udemy post? and Skillshare post a bit on Skillshare, but the main focus is Udemy. So how did you get into writing and producing your own online courses? How did that happen? So. 
I have a couple friends at Uottawa who are also entrepreneurs, you know, and we're working together for a bit. And I came across Udemy and I was talking to these guys and I was like, yo, this is really good. Uh, there's a lot of potential into it. But then I kind of shifted and didn't really work on it because I was focusing on school for three months. And then after like three months, I ran into them. I'm like, what's up? Like, how are things going? And they're like, how is Udemy going? I'm like, I did not start working on it. They're like, you're missing out. And they've been working on it for three months and they saw huge potential. And, you know, school was, exams were almost two weeks I'd be done, done school. And then I focused on course publication. It was an idea that I proposed and then I did not really work on it. And I was like, it was kind of stupid, right? Because it was right in front of me. And then I started working on it. Um, I invested an entire summer, no social life, nothing. 14 to 18 hours of work a day. I moved out of my apartment into uh, my sister's apartment. I wanted to save money on, on rent and a lot of things because I said, you know what, I want to invest all this money towards course publication and marketing. And in a span of three months, I finished about 20 something courses. Um, November came by and it's apparently one of the best months for sales. And the results I saw were astonishing. And it's basically passive income. You know, I go to bed, I wake up in the morning, I refresh my cells and like $150, $200 a night while you're sleeping. And I was like, this feels good. You know, this motivates me a lot more. And I started getting more into course publication, investing more time into it. Now that I'm summer, that's summertime again, investing most of my time in course publication. Mm-hmm. I want to go back to that, that thought where you just quickly mentioned how you moved into your sister's apartment to save yeah. money. I feel like it's really interesting then that not a lot of people would be willing to do. So why was that something that you were like, I really want to go all in on this. I'm going to live with my sister now to save money. Like where did that come from? Before I got into Amazon, as I was saying before, you know, um, I did not have the means to invest in Amazon. I was first year student. I have a certain amount of money, but I can't really invest any money in Amazon. And you need to buy products at first to be able to sell them. And my mentality was like, I don't want to work for people. I want to start something myself. But at one point, you got to do what you got to do. I found a job. I worked there for six months and I saved as much money as I can. And I started the Amazon business. Now, when I was met with a similar situation, I was like, well, I know that if I really want to invest the next three, four months properly, saving eight, nine hundred dollars of rent. And of course, you'd save a lot of money on food. Since I'm living with my sister, I cut out a lot of, like, as I said, social life done. So all of the money was basically going into course publication and marketing. And there was a huge potential there. I was like, is it really worth it for me to pay eight, nine hundred dollars to stay in the apartment by myself when these eight, nine hundred dollars a month can generate four or five thousand dollars next month? You know, mm-hmm. so it's kind of, you know, you got to sacrifice some, some things. There's a risk there's an investment and there's a return on investment. So the question is, is the investment worth the return on investment? And for me, the answer was a clear yes. And that's why I decided to take this step. Mm-hmm. Wasn't the most comfortable, but again, you gotta do what you gotta do. Yeah. And so what do you produce your courses? What are they about? A lot of, a lot of different topics. Honestly, uh, first off, I started with marketing. Instagram and LinkedIn. 
but there's a lot of competition. So I'm like, if I want to get into that, I need time to build a solid course and crash the market, right? And I was like, I need to move into topics where there are there is demand, but at the same time, there's not as much competition. So personal development was something I was passionate about. I'm, I'm all about New Year resolutions, but I don't go like with 50 different resolutions. I just focused on one. And 2015, my resolution was to read a book a day till the end of the year. So I read a lot of books. Sometimes I wasn't able to keep up, but I was always making sure that I do it. Most of them were about personal development, business, philosophy, and psychology, right? So I got to a point and I asked myself, what am I good at? What do I actually know? And I looked to my right and I have like a hundred books next to me and I'm like, well, this is where I need to start. Mm -hmm. So I was literally just everything that I could learn, everything that I know, I would just develop that more. So time management, I was, you know, some things that I learned, productivity, um, speed, speed reading, learning strategies, memory improvement, then got more into psychology. So behaviorism, uh, neuro-linguistic programming, neuroplasticity, neuroscience. It's a lot of interesting topics that I was passionate about. Sometimes I'd go to the, um, to the library at the university and just spend hours like just sitting between aisles and just reading, reading, and just writing information down. There's, there's nothing you can learn and master that you can actually teach. And I had this idea in mind. I was like, okay, once I see a topic, no matter what the topic is, once I see a topic where there's potential, I'm gonna put my effort into learning, mastering, and then teaching the topic. Mm -hmm. Was as simple as that. So, like, is that how you came, kind of, got into neuroscience? And you listed a couple big topics there that yeah. aren't really in like marketing, personal development. Also. Absolutely, those you just kind of self-taught those. So there's there's a lot of platforms, um, and you can basically go on Google and see where there's huge potential. As I said, I wanted to focus on courses and and topics where there's a lot of potential for me. And neuroplasticity and neurolinguistic programming were one of the main topics. But again, I was like, I know nothing about this. So I spent two months. Uh, I worked on a 45-hour course recording every day. Uh, you know, I, in the morning, I'd go to the library and learn a lot, then go back home and record what I learned. It wasn't easy. You know, I took some courses about it. Of course, I took similar courses and kind of assimilated all the ideas I got from books from people, from courses, and I made one huge course mm -hmm. that became highest rated on the platform and is doing great, you know? It's basically it. So essentially, you're, pro you're going through a ton of information and you're just kind of funneling it down to the most important parts and teaching people that way? That's interesting. So, Absolutely. So what's the process then of recording an entire course? Like how, from start to finish, how does that look? So first off, I build the curriculum basically what I want to talk about, what I want to cover, all the different ideas. Then I have to start researching and doing basically studying each and every one of these topics mm -hmm. and developing all the knowledge I can before making a presentation and starting to uh, you know, record videos, talking about these things, explaining all these principles, editing the videos. Once this is done, I want to start building the course landing page. Once all of my lectures are done, course landing page, upload the courses, work on SEO, work on promotions, work on marketing, coupons, you know, getting the course out there, exposure, and before you know it, the course is good to go. You don't even have to worry about it, it's just getting you sales every day while you're just doing your thing. Mm -hmm. So, so how, do you, how do you promote it? Because like, I couldn't really find much in terms of like 
standard social media promotion from you about your courses? So basically whenever I release a course, as I said, I try to follow an authentic approach. I don't want to be like, hey, this is my new course, go buy it. I want to be like, hey, this is a course I invested. Before I start, I'm, I'm going to be like, hey, for the next two months, I'm going to be working on this course. Um, of course, usually I focus on, when I post something, I see how people are reacting to it. When I see that people are engaging, it's more likely that this is something that's going to sell. And I basically focus on giving this pre-buzz at first thing. This is coming up soon. And then I kind of record the process. I kind of take snippets of the process until I release it. Once I release it, of course, I release it on my LinkedIn, on my Instagram. I have um, a couple, two, three pages on Instagram where I share them. And the thing about Udemy is I have about 32,000 students and I have all, all their email addresses. So as soon as one course is out, I'm like, hey, promotional email. Guys, there's a new course that I released. Go check it out. Mm -hmm. And this basically just works itself out. And Udemy does a lot of promotion for you. A lot of times I'm scrolling on Facebook and I see an ad about my course that Udemy is sharing. You know, they did an advertising about it. And I'm like, okay, well, they're doing a big part of the job. So this is also really good. Mm -hmm. So Udemy does a lot, of, a lot of things for you. So is there any similarities that you've noticed in some of your higher performing courses? Like you said, you had some best selling courses. Is there anything that you can kind of link together as this is why these are performing so well? It's just about the effort and the value the courses are providing. Mm -hmm. The courses that I spent a lot of time working on are the courses that added the most value to people are the courses that did the best out of between all the different courses. Mm -hmm. It's just value and work. Yeah. And so how long would you say each of your courses are? Do they vary? You said 45 hours is one of them. Are they all usually that mm -hmm. long? Mm, depends. You know, some courses might be three, four hours, you know, a shortcut to something. Um, it goes, my longest course is 45 hours. Um, it kind of, it's kind of different. You know, a three, four hour course sometimes would take me a day if I actually know the topic properly. And I put in the time, I can finish it in one day, but a 45 hour course, which is very interesting, you know, adds a lot of value, it's amazing, but it takes a lot of work. Mm -hmm. It's just a process, depending on how long the course is. Sometimes I work on it for a day, sometimes a week, sometimes two, three months. Mm -hmm. and I want to talk about some of the topics that you talk about, mainly like productivity. How are you able to do this, have all these courses, you have these clients you can solve with, but you're also still going to school. Like, how do you find that time? See, that's exactly why I was, I was saying I need to make a course about time management and productivity. Because guess what? For you to have such a hectic lifestyle and keep following through and focusing on it, you need to be productive. You need to, have, you need to know how to manage your time properly. You need to be able to focus and concentrate. And at first, it was hard for me. When I knew I was getting myself into this journey, I had, um, I had a mentor back home and he told me that the first step is for you to develop knowledge. Just learn as much as you can. Um, Warren Buffett says, the more you learn, the more you earn. And it's not just about earning money, you know? It's about earning these information and using them in your life. All the books that I read taught me what I know today. So the reason why I'm so productive is because I learned about these things. The reason why I know how to manage my time is because I learned these things. And I knew that I cannot go far until I master these topics. I don't want to jump into Udemy or social media marketing or digital marketing and invest all my time and effort where I don't even know how to invest time in me and myself. 
the biggest investment we can do is invest in ourselves. So before teaching these topics, I was like, I need to learn them and master them because this is actually what matters most. If Udemy fails at one point, which might happen, you know, business is risky. What's the one thing that's going to get me out of this is what I have, what I learned, my productivity, my time management, my motivation, my work ethic. So focusing on these first, people need to focus on those things before they focus on, on other things, you know, focus on yourself before you focus on external things. Mm -hmm. So walk me through like what a typical day for you, you looks like, like how do you kind of balance it all? How do you schedule things out? So usually I wake up early in the morning and try to write. There's a, there's a book I'm writing currently. It's maybe at 350 pages. I usually wake up in the morning when my head is clear. Um, I sit, I have a lounge in my building and a rooftop. If it's nice out, I'd sit upstairs or down in the lounge and I just kind of write for as long. I don't, I don't put any specific time. I'm just like, I'm going to keep writing until I run out of thoughts. And usually one night before, before sleeping, I kind of think about what I want to write about. It's kind of easier. Have breakfast, you know, have a shower, do your thing. Sometimes I'd, I'd work out. I used to work out a lot more before, but now I'm just no time. I know it's crucial and, and you know, people need to do it because it's essential. But again, you got to do what you got to do. Um, the rest of my time is invested in course publication. I focus on course creation and course publication because I have the most potential and I'm getting the most return on investment in that field. So you need to invest your time, most of your time in the field that's actually giving you the most revenue and that has the most potential. I would write a lot in the morning and then just focus on course creation, course publication throughout the rest of the day. Mm -hmm. So what, what's your book about? So the book is also very different than uh, digital marketing and everything. It's, um, it's more about philosophy. It's something that I've been interested in uh, for a long time. And something that, that really caught my attention is that you know, I talk to a lot of people, kind of see what they're passionate about, what they love. And most people have a hard time finding that. You know, we look around, we see that nowadays more people are depressed, more people are going through hard times, more people are struggling to kind of find meaning, you know? Um, now beforehand, religion was a big thing and now people are moving away from religion. So religion was a big thing that gave people meaning in life and now they're shifting away from it. But they're like, okay, but if it's not religion, then what is it? And they're like, okay, but if there's no general meaning in life, what's my own meaning in life? So uh, a very, one of my favorite philosophers, uh, Viktor Frankl developed kind of a, a therapy called um, logotherapy. So he focuses on dealing with mental health, depression, all that through finding meaning. And he follows Nietzsche's example, he who has a why in life can bear almost any how. So he believes that once a person finds his reason to exist, no matter what he goes through, he'll be able to go through hell and back and still make it. So I started thinking more about that and this is kind of what motivated me this is kind of what made me find you know what i want to do in life and what i'm passionate about and all that and i was like i need to share that with people but the thing is victor frankl developed all of that from a psychological standpoint but every single branch of psychology has roots in philosophy and i'm like but nobody actually developed the philosophy and the philosophical studies behind this science and this therapy and it was something i've been 
really interested about. So I also spent a lot of time reading about it, you know, watching videos and watching lectures. Started developing this book about logotherapy, the philosophical approach towards existentialism and meaning in life, basically finding what you love and, and what you were basically born to do. Mm -hmm. And so are you self-publishing this book or is you working I'm with the company? I'm not sure yet. Not sure yet? No, I wanna finish the book first. I don't have a set number of pages. It might be, might be done tomorrow, might be done in a year. But once it's done, um, I'm most probably gonna be looking into contacting companies to actually publish the book. Mm -hmm. um, I want to get into Amazon Kindle. I want to post it. I want to publish the course on Amazon Kindle because it's very easy, and you know we got to take advantage of the digital world as we were talking about. But at the same time, I do want to publish physical copies, which mm -hmm. most probably is, uh, I will need to kind of uh, contact a certain company because it will make my life so much easier. Mm -hmm. You know. Yeah. And so, what about behavioralism? That's another thing you mentioned earlier. Is that kind of like behavior of the consumer, or what is that? See, it depends. Um, when I first started in marketing, kind of studying the behaviorism in marketing, my focus was the consumer. Mm -hmm. But once I started writing the book, my focus kind of shifted more towards you know, people's behavior on a daily basis. I'd wake up in the morning, I'd go do something, and then I'd regret it. And I'm like, why did I even do it? You know, some behaviors are deeply wired in our brains. And I'm like, most people don't even know why they're doing what they're doing and this is something I'm interested in if I want to be able to master my life and guide my life the way I want to I need to be able to understand why I'm behaving the way I'm behaving and for you to understand yourself you also need to understand people because you can reflect and learn a lot from people's behavior and this just became a topic of obsession for me and, and I always tell my friend that this, this became bad because every single time I meet somebody now, I'm just like, oh, like I want to kind of like see what I can learn from them, what I can understand from them. And at one point, I'm just like, you know what? I just want to sit down and have a normal conversation with somebody and just talk, you know, get your mind off of this. But it's interesting. Once, once you learn about your behavior and people's behavior, this is where you can actually start changing your life. And this is what the book is basically about. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. So I want to. I was curious as to why you're still in school, if because you kind of mentioned earlier you haven't applied anything that you've learned. You've got things going seem to be going pretty well for you with these courses. You have your own company. So why do you still put in the time and the effort to go to school when you could reallocate that elsewhere? Honestly, I would not like. I would not encourage anybody to do what I'm doing. But I believe that I am where I am because. You know, my parents invested a lot in me and my dad basically is the main person who inspired me the most in my life. And the one thing he asked me to do is to get a degree and just hang it on the wall. So this time I'm going part time and I don't really care about my grades. I just want to get the degree over with, you know, a lot of people focus on making their parents proud. And I know that when you're working on your dreams, your main focus needs to be you yourself but at the same time you know this kind of feeling of happiness and accomplishment for me the accomplishment of finishing the degree is not getting the degree itself but kind of paying back to my parents for all the hard work they invested in me I'm not putting pressure you know if people want to do their degree do it by all means 
You don't have to go full time, take six courses a semester. You can finish school in eight years. Most people don't finish school in four years. You know, it can take you eight, 10 years, it doesn't really matter. But if in 10 years you get your degree, but at the same time, you have a company that's making you a certain amount of money, you don't even have to find a job. You can focus on what you love. And guess what, jackpot. You know, People who finished in four years and have been working for six years, right now, you're in a way better spot than them. And that's what the focus should be. Whether you're in school or not, focus on what you love. School can be a plus, but it's not necessary. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. I like that. Um, I was curious about if you had any predictions for the future of social media. I know we've kind of talked about it currently, but like, where do you think things are going? Like, is there things you like that you're seeing, things you don't like? Things that I like, there's nothing to hate about social media when you want to work on social media. If you want to get the best out of it, you need to make it part of your life. You need to avoid what doesn't work and move towards what works. But I can't really say I love something and hate something else. It's all an investment. If something has a good return on investment, I'm going to force myself to love it. If something doesn't have a good return on investment, I'm going to force myself to hate it and move away from it. But, you know, recently Instagram, I personally on my profile, I can't see how many likes or views people can get. So my friends can still view everything. And, you know, I'm kind of questioning whether Instagram did a good job or a bad job. Now, of course, when it comes to mental health, amazing, you know, I think this is, this is really good. It's a really good initiative. But at the same time, you know, when people post on Instagram, when they, what Instagram was saying that a lot of people are having mental health issues, when they post something on Instagram and it doesn't get enough, enough likes, then they're going to remove it and they feel bad about themselves, their self-esteem and their confidence. But I'm like, when people post on Instagram, are they looking themselves at the amount of likes they got? Or are they looking at how people are going to react to the number of likes or views or comments they got? And this is a huge shift. See, Instagram can't say, well, people are struggling, so then we need to move into this. But we need to look more into the root of the problem, you know? Fixing the external part of it is not going to actually solve the problem. The root of the problem is educating people to understand that it doesn't really matter what other people think. You want to post a picture, go for it. It doesn't matter if you got 10 likes or 20 likes. You're just posting it, you know? You shouldn't focus on Instagram to get this sense of gratification, and the sense of, oh, uh, I'm right here, notice me, I want attention. You want to post on Instagram for attention, then it's a different story. People who post on Instagram for attention... They do want to see the likes. They do want that. So Instagram is kind of like in the middle one. They don't actually know how to advance, right? That's why some people can still view them and the others can't. They're testing the strategy, but I doubt that this is a strategy that actually can work. But I think something that can be a lot more beneficial, they have a system for comments where you can block or limit the amount of comments. Well, why don't you have an option to view not if you like so basically to present the likes on your profile on your post or not if they do that then it's up to people to decide whether they're going to post for attention or they're just going to post to post mm-hmm. so we'll see we'll see how it's going to go yeah what do you think about the news feed do you think the news feed's going to stick around what do you mean like how social media right now how people typically consume it is through a standard news feed where everything kind of gets funneled into your yeah. facebook your twitter your instagram but they're starting to notice now that people are spending more time 
and stories, which is consumed completely differently from the oh, feed. Absolutely. Facebook groups are becoming more popular. That's external to the news feed. Do you think that the news feed is slowly dying, or how, what do you think? The news feed on Facebook is way more powerful than the news feed on Instagram. Okay. That's for sure. Um, you know, even if you go online, you can read the numbers. It's a lot more efficient on Instagram. And I think the reason why is because the audience on Instagram is different. It's a lot more younger people than you post to Facebook, right? And stories are just blowing up. Everybody posting on their story. Recently, the main focus has been stories because you can post whatever you want. You know, this is kind of the same initiative. You can post whatever you want, whenever you want. You don't have to worry about likes. You don't have to worry about views. You don't have to worry about comments. You can share whatever you want and just be blunt and you know straightforward about it. And that's why people love it. And it's gonna keep growing. I, I honestly believe stories are gonna become the main focus of Instagram. This is where most money's gonna be made. All the companies right now are not are promoting on their story. They're not promoting in terms of Instagram posts. Rarely do they actually do it now. Story is the main focus. It's gonna keep on growing and I'm pretty sure Instagram is gonna put more work into it to kinda make it better and better and make people use it more. Mm-hmm. And I want to talk about your personal social media. How do you use it? What's your strategy when it comes to social? I honestly, on throughout my courses, I always, before each and every lecture, I'd usually say, like, go follow my account. This is where I post about new courses. This is where I post some content, yada, yada, yada. And I got a lot of students who, once engaged my courses, would usually go and follow me. Uh, this is how I'm building the education blog that I'm working on. This is how I'm working on the private community that I'm working on. This is how I'm working on my own profile. My biggest audience is students. And, and recently I was looking at the insights of my profile. And I can also look at the insights on Udemy. And you see the percentage of students I have from different countries. And I can see the percentage of different followers I have from different countries. And funny thing is, the correlation between... The, the ratio of students from certain countries is very similar to the ratio of followers from certain countries. And I'm like, well, that makes sense. Now, of course, Ottawa in terms of city was the biggest city in terms of where my follower base is. Mm-hmm. And it's basically because I'm, you know, highly invested in Ottawa and most of the community that I know and that follows me is located in Ottawa. Mm-hmm. But you know, it's been it's been ups and downs. I recently posted on Instagram that I will not be working on social media for the next while. I want to focus on course publication. You know, I believe focusing on one thing uh, matters the most. Um, this is a risk I'm taking. You know, it can have a hit on my own social media presence. But yeah, you got to do what you got to do. There's there's a return on investment in course publication. That's way better than uh, than return on investment in Instagram right now. Yeah, because I was looking at your Instagram recently, you're at 20,000 followers, so yeah. would you say a majority of how you've grown that account is through adver- in, through kind of just shouting out your own account in your courses? So basically, LinkedIn helped me a lot. You know, uh, I would message a lot of people, say, hey, like, you know, just have a friendly conversation. It's all about relationships, as we were saying before, relationships. That's how people trust you. If you go post on LinkedIn, hey, go follow my profile. Guess what? Nobody's gonna follow you. Nobody cares enough. You know, but you actually engage with people and they get to know who you are. Be like, hey man, like, what's your profile? I'd love to follow you. They're gonna follow you back. That's how you kind of start building it. 
uh, a lot of times I would just go see random profiles where somebody's doing a good job and I just give them a shout out just for the sake of it. And then they would repost it and we would both benefit from it, right? It's all about when you add value to somebody, he's gonna add value back, you both are gonna get rewarded. So I focused on Udemy, I focused on basically relationships, talking to people, and story. Story, like posting on my story and kind of sharing stuff is one of the things that helped me a lot. Mm-hmm. It was interesting and I was curious, I saw you post, I think it was Twitter, you posted a thing where content is marketing. But for your for yourself personally, you don't produce a ton of content, like we talked about before we recorded, you have a photographer that you work with, but it's not like you're posting a new photo every single day. See, because for me, content is content that actually adds value. My own pictures, they don't add value to anybody's life, zero. What actually adds value is content. What I mean by content is my courses. The reason why I have so many people following me is because I'm focusing on the content that adds value, which is my courses. So right now I know I'm investing three, four months into course publication and not focusing on social media, but guess what? In six months, when I go from 35,000 to 100,000 students, well, my following is going to go from 20,000 to 40,000. No. So it's basically adding value. Whatever the content is, you need to actually know what is this content that's actually adding value. A lot of bloggers, they get most of their followers from their blog and not from Instagram because people read their blog and they're like, wow, this is really interesting. I want to follow them on Instagram so I can know when they're going to publish again. Same thing goes for YouTube, same thing goes for Facebook. Add value through your content. Don't just post bullshit. If you post content that doesn't add value to people, nobody cares. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. I really like that because I feel like I've been thinking the same way lately. It's just how with content, you have to find a way to be providing that value. A selfie isn't going to do it anymore. Absolutely. You have to be able to provide value in platform. That's the thing I notice a lot with Twitter specifically. I feel like people use Twitter as a push platform for, hey, I just released this. Here's a link. Hey, I just released this video. Here's a link. Hey, I put this podcast. Here's the link. But they don't create content specifically for Twitter and they're not providing value within that platform. Absolutely. I think it's important, one, yes, to provide value wherever you're linking them to, like with your course, for example, but it's also equally as important to be providing value within the platform itself or no one's going to follow you. 100%. All the content I focus on posting on my own Instagram Mm -hmm. is through the story. Uh, Archive is a big thing. Uh, On the education blog, for example, if somebody wants to go on and read more about motivation, well, they don't have to scroll all the way down to find a post about motivation. They can just scroll through the archive. Now, all your stories, you can put them in your archive. Somebody wants to learn about motivation, they can scroll in the archive, click on motivation, and see all the posts that talks about motivation, right? So, when you focus on your story, you'll make your life easier, you'll be able to share your content better. And, you know, my profile, I don't focus on the content. Um, as much I focus on posting the actual content that adds value on my story but the source of the content is not Instagram it's somewhere else mm-hmm. it's somewhere else where the content is actually generating value where I'm getting people's trust and that's exactly why they're following mm-hmm. why don't you have a YouTube page I just feel like with what you talk about YouTube would just lend perfectly to what you're doing is it just a matter of time I don't have time for it mm-hmm. if I want to do something I want to do it properly YouTube is on my list and I want to get to it and focusing on Instagram right now, getting to a certain amount of following. Once I started YouTube channel, 
it's one, it's not going to take me as long to grow it because I can leverage Instagram, Udemy, LinkedIn to grow my YouTube channel. Mm -hmm. But if I say, well, this one extra hour I'm investing on Instagram, I'm going to start investing it on YouTube and then I'm going to be having like kind of an average workload on both platforms. I'm going to have average results on both platforms. When you go all in on one platform and you grow your following immensely, then you're going to get huge results and then you can leverage this towards the other platform. And this is basically what I want to focus on. Mm -hmm. So are you doing everything on your own right now or do you have kind of employees that help you produce these courses or put everything together? I don't have anybody working with me at the moment. Um, beforehand, you know, I tried to work on courses with people. I tried to kind of, you know, do some things with other people. I had interns at the company uh, working, I had maybe four or five different interns working for the company. But at one point when I started working on course publication, I do not trust anybody as much as I trust myself. Mm -hmm. I believe that the work that I'm providing um, is going to add a lot of value to people. And I don't trust anybody at the moment to provide the same value I'm providing. Mm -hmm. That's why I prefer to work on it by myself. But I'm also considering at one point moving some of the things that other people can do better, like video editing, like um, uh, voice editing and all these things to kind of have more time to focus on course creation itself instead of editing and stuff like that. Yeah, and I was going to say, because I feel like a big thing for you, if you're doing everything by yourself, you're kind of limited as to how much you can do. Uh, so if you want to do things like a YouTube channel, you'll probably have to get to the point where you bring on people, not necessarily to co-write or co-produce the course with you, but to do those things like editing or, or just putting everything together for you where you're still recording and you're teaching the content, but people put it together yeah. for you. Yeah. If you remember when we talked before about kinetic pace, I said, you know, once I got everything I learned out of it, such as social media marketing and digital marketing, mm -hmm. I found a lot of potential in other areas. The reason why I've wanted to learn, I got Adobe Premiere and I learned the ins and outs of Adobe Premiere because I want to learn video editing. I can hire somebody to do the video editing for me, but I'm never going to learn the skill. Now, when I want to start working on YouTube, instead of start starting from scratch or investing a lot of money, getting people to edit the videos for me, guess what? I can do it all by myself. You know, once I have somebody editing my Udemy courses for me, I can be focusing on YouTube. I can be focusing on creating videos for Instagram, building skill sets and whatever field it is, is important. When I want to jump into something, I want to learn the ins and outs of it myself before kind of delegating this job to somebody else. Mm -hmm. And you talked earlier about how you had a course on LinkedIn as well. And that's something that's kind of been catching my eye lately is LinkedIn as a platform. I think there's a lot of opportunity right there. Absolutely. So what were some of the things in your kind of, you can give us like almost like the cliff notes, the quick summary of that course, just some, maybe not the whole thing obviously, because you're still selling it. You obviously want people to buy it, but almost like a preview of some tips and stuff you provide in that course. So LinkedIn is a huge profile, um, a huge platform for professionals, right? And people say, I want to find a job on LinkedIn. I'm going to go make a nice profile and wait for people to contact me. This is not how it works. You know, it, very rarely do people see your profile unless you have a big profile and you've been working on LinkedIn for a long time, which is what you need to do if you actually want to get potential work out of it. I got most of my work out of Udemy for, for the company. Most of the job opportunities or business that I got was out of LinkedIn. It's because I 
connect with people. I focus on communication. I focus on relationships. I had six months where I would go on LinkedIn for one hour a day, connect with people, message them, communicate with people. I did not care about posting on my LinkedIn because people don't care about that as much as they care about communication. The half hour I spent on writing an article or, or something on LinkedIn, if I invest these 30 minutes in talking to 10 people, the return on investment is way better when you focus on communication relationships. The course basically talks about you know how to make your profile, how to make a professional profile and all that to get the ins and outs out of it. But at the same time, how to properly and actively grow on Instagram, on LinkedIn, sorry, through communication, relationships, and a lot of tools that LinkedIn offers that most people usually disregard or don't actually use. Mm -hmm. Another area that's caught my eye lately is something I think could be a potential of an opportunity is email. I feel like people think email has kind of died to an extent. But like you said, you use email as a large part of your business with getting people to start for your course. And I'm looking at it more so from a personal brand perspective. If you have like a, uh, an email list specifically for like yourself, I feel like there's an opportunity there because there's no algorithm that anyone can really kind of, there's no algorithm that will mess you up with email. You own it entirely. People have to opt into it so they actively want to receive your emails. It's not like social media where they follow you and they might see it, they kind of care. But email, Absolutely. they really care. Do you think email is an opportunity right now? It is, but there's a huge question mark. Mm -hmm. You go on a website, you wanna see the content on the website, they're like, oh, you can't see the content unless you sign up and give us your email address. Most people are like, fine. You give them your email address and before you know it, you're getting marketing, promotional emails on a weekly basis. But guess what? You could not care less. But if you go and have this training program with somebody who added a lot of value, provided a lot of things for you, a lot of knowledge, and it actually had a certain impact on your life, you trust this person. So when they send you an email, you know that you're receiving an email from somebody who you actually trust, somebody who actually helped you and you are way more likely to open the email and engage with the email. So if you want to focus on email marketing, it can be huge, like it can be a lot, there's a lot of opportunities in terms of email marketing, you know, you can get a lot out of it, but you need to focus on people who actually trust you. If people don't trust you, they won't trust your emails. They'll just consider them as spam, they're gonna delete them, they're not even gonna look at them. So. You know, when I wanted to start sending promotional emails, I did not send promotional emails for a while because at first I had you know, a small audience and I'm like, well, I'm not even sure if people trust me at the moment. But once I started, you know, getting people uh, reviews, people messaging me saying, like, thanks a lot, like, this changed my life, yada, yada, yada. I'm like, wow, like, these people actually, you know, they're engaging. I'm actually having, like, I actually have a huge impact on these people's lives. Let me try promotional emails. And then I sent a promotional email and I got a huge return on investment, you know, and I wanted to know why. So some of the people who bought the course and I can see who bought it through the email promotion and I messaged these people. I'm like, I'm just curious about why you uh, bought the course through the email. Like what made you open the promotional email? And they're like, like, honestly, you know, I've, I've took, I, I have this certain course of yours and you know, it helped me a lot and I was interested in knowing more. And then I just, Put all the pieces of the puzzle together and I'm like, well, it's just about trust and relationships. Kind of just focus on that, whether it's Instagram or whatever it is, any kind of marketing. As you said before, you know, relationships. 
relationships, communication, and trust is just the way to go. And I mentioned in the intro that you're a speaker as well. So can you kind of talk about where you speak and you also won some awards speaking as well, if I'm not yeah. mistaken. So um, I've had this fear of public speaking, you know, and I'm all about getting out of the comfort zone and, you know, doing stuff that you're afraid of doing. And I was on the internet and I ran across something called Toastmasters International. I don't know if you're familiar with it. Vague, like a little bit. So it is basically an international organization that has separate clubs in about 140 different countries. You know, in Ottawa alone, there's maybe like six clubs, if not more. Um, it's about public speaking. There is um, there's a fee you pay, and then you go to meetings on a weekly basis to kind of learn more about public speaking. You get the chance to speak in front of people. Uh, you get people giving you their feedback and all that to kind of grow. And as I said, when I want to work on something, I go 120% in. So as soon as I started working on that, within three months, I presented 10 speeches. And my mentor said, you need to get into the, um, the World Championship of Public Speaking. It's the International Speech Contest. So maybe 5,000 people competing in, in 100 and something different countries. So I said, yeah, like, I'd, be, I'd be down for that. And I won my first award in um, club level. So it's basically a competition within our club. Different people, I won that. Then I moved into area. And it was about seven to 12 different clubs competing. And I won that. Then we moved into division. And it was more about maybe 30, 40 different clubs. Area was about 100, roughly 100 clubs. And I got to district. District is North America level. Um, this is where I got fourth place. So I won four awards throughout it, and then I lost um, in the district. I did not go back into public speaking after that. Okay. Because, you know, I got to, the reason why I got into public speaking is not to win awards. This just happened because I was working hard. The reason why I wanted to overcome this fear of public speaking, become better at communicating with people, become better at teaching, getting the message out there. And as soon as I got that, just as uh, as soon as I got digital marketing and social media out of kinetic base, I kind of moved on into a more lucrative kind of business and opportunity. Mm -hmm. What are you consuming right now, content-wise? What do you mean? Like, like, what are you watching? Maybe you watch YouTube videos. Who do you follow on Instagram? Like, who? That talks. Yeah. Huge Instagram. I follow a lot of. I follow Gary V. It's my main guy. The guy is, is a hustler. He works hard. I get so inspired by that. I watch a lot of motivational speeches by you know Eric Thomas. So amazing guy. I follow a lot of uh, sport pages because, you know, the NBA is happening recently and, and I was watching the game with my friends uh, and a lot of people after the game, that's, I kind of think, you know, how people consume and invest their time kind of sets them apart. After the game, a lot of my friends went to party, got drunk and, you know, woke up the next day feeling like trash. For me, when I watched the game, man, I was so motivated. I watched the game and I saw the players, the players who won, how happy they were and the players who lost and how devastated they were. And that motivates me, you know? Instead of going out and partying, I went home and I worked for another six hours, you know? So I follow a lot of sport pages. I follow a lot of motivational speakers. I follow a lot of entrepreneurs and all that kind of actually provide content that helps. Mm -hmm. um, Gary Vee, man, he's, he's something else. He's, he's my main guy. Yeah. So talking about the concept of hustle, because I feel like that's a bit of a, 
a touchy subject for people nowadays. You mentioned Gary Vee just hustles. You talked about after the Raptors game, you went home and worked for six hours. That's probably till early in the morning. So now people are kind of, people feel like we've over-indexed on hustle and that we've made hustle this like aspirational thing, but it's actually bad. You shouldn't be hustling all the time. Where do you kind of land on it? Honestly, honestly, it depends. If you're hustling and you feel that you're depressed and you don't feel happy, you're doing something wrong. When I'm hustling, when I'm working, I'm on top of the world, you know? Um, if you're gonna hustle and you're gonna work hard and it's gonna bring you down, I'm not saying hustling is easy, you know? You're gonna feel lonely, you're gonna feel depressed, you're gonna feel like trash some days, but there's this voice inside of you that keeps pushing you, you know? There's this little thing inside of you that keeps you happy, keeps you motivated. But if you're gonna hustle all the time and you're not happy about it, you're, you hate it and you're depressed, what are you, getting, what are you actually getting out of it? Mm-hmm. The real hustle is when you focus on what makes you happy. Yeah. And so I end every, every podcast episode with the same standard about five or so questions here. And the first one is if you're going to dinner and you can take three people, it could be anybody dead or alive, who would you take to dinner? Three people. Mm-hmm. Victor Frankl. Uh, I think two of them would be philosophers. Um, so Viktor Frankl and Nietzsche. I think these people have exceptional intellectual abilities. Um, and just having a two-hour conversation with them can take you to a whole new level. Third person. That's... Um, third person would probably be Gary. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think sitting with him face to face and having him yell at you for two hours can really motivate you for about an easy month at least. Yeah. But just watching his videos, I just feel this fire inside of me. I can only imagine what's going to happen if I'm actually sitting in front of him and talking to him. Mm-hmm. Remind me to show you a picture before you leave. I have a picture I want to show you later. Done. Um, what's the best advice you've ever gotten? The best advice I've ever gotten, mm-hmm. add value, get rewarded. That's the one thing that's been driving me and, and helping me grow for the past six years. Mm-hmm. Um, no, my, my dad told me that. Um, no, he said, if, if you actually, you don't want to succeed in anything, you need to add value. Once you do good and you add value, you are going to get rewarded. Mm-hmm. It's the best advice I've got. It's the best advice I can give to people. What's well, one thing about you people wouldn't expect? wouldn't expect yeah about you um i'm like i'm a very like people always say they're they have a hard time reading me um you know my parents always told me when i was a kid that they can never they can never read me I, as a kid if i did something and then i say no i didn't do it they can't actually tell if i did it or i not do it and, you know, coming from this learning about behaviorism and psychology, I just became better at it. I feel like, you know, people don't expect most things that I do. When I meet somebody, you know, they would never expect that I'm doing what I'm doing. Um, I think there's a lot of things. I can't actually pick something specific, but most of the things I do, I meet somebody in person and then they follow me on Instagram. And then the next day they're like, holy, I did not expect you to do all of that you know mm-hmm. so it's it's a bunch of things it's about thing I, I don't think i can pick something specific okay. what's one thing that's so important everybody needs to know what do you mean 
like something that you believe is so fundamentally important and true that everybody should know about it. Can you give me an example? There's some example, like I guess a similar one would be provide value, get rewarded. It's kind of along the same lines. So one thing that people can kind of take and, and mm-hmm. follow in their life yes. to kind of go far, execution, execution. It's like nobody, the one thing that we know for sure is you will not see results unless you execute. If you, you can talk for years, I know a lot of people and I, I cannot tell you how many people I would talk to to try to get into the business, people I care about, you know, um, and they would say, yes, I want to do it. I'm like, okay, you want to do it? Go do research about this topic for one week. It's going to take you two hours. Just go do basic research about it. We'll meet in a week and talk about it. They say, yes, they will do it. They're going to finish it. They're going to learn everything. One week later, what happened? Oh, I was busy. Well, guess what? The one thing that's separating people from getting from where they are to where they want to be is execution. Once this happens, you will start noticing a lot of change. Mm-hmm. So for the last question, I like to flip the script a little bit. What's one question you want to know the answer to about anything? What will happen when we die? What's going to happen after we die? Because death is the only thing that is real. The only thing that we're hundred percent certain of is death. We're all going to die. This is inevitable. But what comes after is, is a big question mark for me and for, for everybody, you know. Um, we're going to spend our entire life working and doing things and, and then what, you know. Uh, it's kind of interesting. There's, you know, there's a lot of ideologies. Religion says heaven and hell. Atheism says, well, nothing's going to happen. Uh, a lot of religions focus on like reincarnation and all that. You're like, okay, well, what if I get reincarnated in, in a husky, for example? How would that be, you know? How things work, this is this is kind of beyond our sphere of knowledge. And I always like to learn things. Whenever there's a question I can't answer, I just like I need to open I need to know the answer, right? I want to know answers. I'm very, I'm a very curious person, and this is the one question that I always think about, and I'm like, I don't know, and I wish I knew. Mm-hmm. That's a good one to end on. I want to thank you for coming on the podcast. Thanks a lot, Jacob. Thanks I, for having me. I want to give you the floor, plug everything you got, where can the people find you, maybe have a course coming out, everything you got, just let the people know. So um, for any course that I have, it's basically going to be on Udemy at the moment. Um, me and a bunch of people are working on six months training programs, including courses and one-on-one coaching and mentoring. Um, this is going to be released very soon, about two to three weeks, and I'm going to be posting about it mainly on Instagram. This is the main platform I focus on and LinkedIn as well. So it's Noah Merby, whether it's on Udemy, on Instagram, on LinkedIn, Facebook, or Twitter, people can follow me there to learn more about you know, the book, stuff, social media and digital marketing, but mainly right now my focus is course publication. So if people want to learn more about certain topics and 
training programs. Awesome. Well, thank you once again for coming on. Thanks a lot, Jacob. And I want to thank everybody for listening to this episode. Whether you've listened the entire way through or you've only listened to bits and pieces, I really appreciate you taking the time to check this out. Guys, do me a favor. Go and follow Noah. I'll make sure everything is linked in the show notes down below so you can find him. And if you'd like to find me, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at, at the Jacob Kelly. And if you search up My Social Life on YouTube, you'll find some videos from the podcast or by searching up at My Social Pod on Instagram. Thank you once again for listening, everybody. We'll talk soon.